Why do we need to improve our workplace mental well-being? That's the question I'm asking today and giving you some information about what I'm seeing and hearing with the companies that I talk to and what I think you need to be doing in your workplace wellbeing plans. You know, there's no one size fits all. Um, The companies that I work with are investing in these wellbeing plans. However, the arrival of COVID-19 means it's important to be responsive. And in a recent survey by Benenden, over a third of respondents felt that the pandemic has been a damaging to their mental well-being. So dive into today's show and listen to how you can boost that improvement. Welcome to the Lessons for Leaders podcast. Each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in business without stress, doubt and overwhelm so that I help you increase your performance, be resilient, manage the work-life balance so that your well-being thrives. I'm Emma Langton, your host, leadership coach and workplace trainer, helping you and your workforce to make the impact that you want in the world. And on today's episode, I'm talking about the reasons that we need to improve workplace mental well-being. You know, the focus on mental health and well-being needs to be a continued part of everybody's business plan. And I'm going to dive into some really specific things that I'm hearing and what I recommend to be the key areas of focus. But before I dive in, I want to thank those people that have already left me a review. Thank you so much for that. Do please keep leaving me a review. If you found this podcast really useful, it helps others to be able to find it too. So I know you might be sick of hearing me ask this, but please go over and find the link and just pop in some comments about what you get from the episodes and how much you value it. Now I've had um, several phone calls and emails from people who are finding things difficult at this time and I know that those difficulties are affecting performance. It's definitely a stressful time and people have kind of got to that stage where they've stopped firefighting and they're able to begin to put plans in place even though the COVID instructions are changing from day to day. They are able now to be put plans in place. So If the stress, the struggle and the difficulty is beginning to affect you or the, your, the mental well-being of your team, then please do get in touch with me. If you want some help to enable your team to get the balance in their work life, to put some better boundaries in between the work and the home, or if they need some help with their resilience or tools to manage the stress and cope with whatever this new normal is going to bring, then please get in touch with me, emma at emmalankton.com or go over to my website, emmalankton.com. Go to the contact page. You can book a call straight into my diary. I've already 
had years of experience of working remotely through video, virtual and conference facilities. So all of this isn't new to me as it has been to some people who've done really well to pick up the skills quickly. So, and I've been doing such a lot of workshops and training as I'll talk about and share some of the experiences in today's episode. So if you want to be able to get some uh, virtual trainings on the stress management and resilience, contact me now to let's talk about that. Okay. So today we're focusing on the reasons that you need to improve your workplace mental well-being. I know that companies are doing a lot around this. However, as I will share, there are some companies that are not (laughs) doing as much on this. But as the COVID-19 situation continues and businesses plan and adapt to different working patterns, I've been talking to HR and wellbeing and business leaders about their wellbeing plans and they are a high priority. Leaders at all level of businesses often need extra help, support and guidance on looking after themselves and you can check out the other podcast episode on preventing leadership fatigue if you want some more information on that. But it's key to be able to spot issues and to be able to support your workforce. Some companies have communicated their plans for the return to office space and many companies are telling their workforce that there's no intention of returning until at least September. And whilst these messages are intended to be really clear and to let people know what to expect, it can still contribute to employee stress and it can also tap into people's fears about the future because they're still a degree of uncertainty and it can't be helped but there's still a degree of uncertainty. The impact on continued remote working alongside the additional pressure of difficult work-life balance, sometimes isolation for people, you know, doing the schooling or even just having the kids at home at school holidays loom if we're having school holidays, we're not really quite sure yet are we? It's adding to the worry, anxiety and the associated mental health issues that we're already contributing to difficulties within the workforce. Let's not forget that before lockdown, there were already one in four people likely to have some mental health issue in their lifetime. You know, recent research from Benenden Health that was uh, published in May of 2020 said that over a third of respondents feel that the pandemic has been damaging to their mental well-being. Mental health issues are often hidden, but they can have a huge cost to companies if left undiscovered or not dealt with, particularly in areas such as poor employee morale, low retention or high attrition, and the cost of high sickness absence. So focusing on mental health and well-being needs to be a continuing part of your business plan. And HR or well-being leads need to ensure that the plan is well delivered too. The head of public policy at CIPD, Ben Wilmot, he'd said recently, um, employees have a fundamental duty of care for physical and mental well-being under the Health and Safety at Work Act. It's no longer acceptable to just have the focus on one week of the year under Mental Health Week. 
I believe that a few posters around the building about drinking more water or even having a cake sale for a mental health charity is going to cut it. I know, I know. That really is true. I had a phone call with a company when I was asking them, what are you doing to support mental well-being? Well, we're having a cake sale, they said. Now, those of you that know me in person will know that I pull some pretty... um, (laughs) I pull some faces. Let's just face it. Let me just own that. I often pull some faces. I was never um, a very good therapist, you know, with that kind of um, blank face that didn't show any emotion. My eyebrows go up. Um... My eyes come out on stocks. I pull some faces and my goodness me, it's a good job I wasn't uh, on a video call with the person that said that a cake sale was everything that one company was doing and that they thought that that was a good thing Um, because it's absolutely not a good thing. Um, That's not going to make... And it's lovely to um, sell the cakes and donate the money that was raised to a mental health charity. That's a lovely gesture. It's not going to make an impact on the people in your workplace, is it? Oh dear. Right. That was um, a difficult conversation to have to help them be able to see about where, where they can improve on that. So, what can you do to improve mental well being? Well, the first thing is to survey your employees regularly. Have an adequate survey that enables you to gather good feedback so that your employees know that you are taking mental well-being seriously. If you don't have a survey system, get in touch with me. I can put you in contact with people who have developed a fantastic survey and it's anonymous for the team. But it also provides the leads with some really useful information and Um, It provides it quickly, easily, so it makes the survey really efficient as well. It means that you're not guessing about the strengths and difficulties so that you don't waste money on plans and training that's not needed. But it does ensure that you are meeting your employees' needs. And Because remember, it's not just enough to do the survey. You need to ensure that you're responding to the outcomes too. Because showing them that you've listened and that you're putting things in place will increase morale and gain the savings that you would like to see. So providing training and expertise might be another area that you need to look at. Getting external support for training, coaching and learning will equip everyone from the board level down to be able to spot the signs of stress and struggle in themselves and learn what they can do about it. Because it's not just what the workplace provides. It's about helping everyone to be able to help themselves. But it's not solely the employee's responsibility and it's not solely the workplace's responsibility. So for companies who already have a wellbeing plan in place, they often benefit most from workshops designed for specific topics based on what's come out of the uh, survey. Companies that I work with often have great overall well-being plans in place but have needed additional support in areas like boundaries, resilience, work-life balance, especially during COVID-19. And these workshops have helped them complete their well-being implementation. And then we talk about what else might be needed. And some of the other things that might be needed is to educate and upskill your managers. 
So by bringing in specific training, it will enable you to educate your managers to spot the issues in the employees and the teams and to raise any concerns and know how to be supportive and empathic so they catch the issues early. And then you're able to avoid absences, presenteeism, and to turn around any negative impact of a situation before those issues hit. Alternatively, it might be that your board level executives need coaching or a high level training session so that they understand the impact of trying to work, say, in a stressful environment or learn the best ways to support the workforce and demonstrate buy-in and improve morale. Knowing how to talk to employees and make time for one-to-one conversation is also crucial in building trust in relationships that result in managers being able to support employees with early interventions. So that can pay off in the long term too because what you get are managers that walk the talk and you get employees who trust the managers to be able to listen and understand when they approach them. Think about improving the work-life balance. Think about what good work-life balance looks like for your company. And of course, I work with different companies. Some are kind of Monday to Friday, sort of nine to five-ish type companies. Others, you know, are kind of 24-7 type companies. So it's about what that work-life balance looks like for your company. Are flexible working patterns possible, for example? Are they possible? Are they... Is Is it logistically possible... Is it realistically possible or is there somebody with a block on the idea just because of a fixed mindset or because they have uh, in that thought pattern of, well, it's what we've always done. Referring again to the Benenden research, it said more than half of parents whose mental well-being had been impacted have said that balancing work from home and childcare was having a negative impact on mental well-being. Now, we've got summer holidays coming up as well. So what's the impact they're going to be? The companies that I'm working with are investing in work-life balance support because they are seeing that the working hours are merging into the evenings and weekends and leaving their employees struggling to switch off or feeling under pressure to get through an incredible workload as well as juggling childcare. However, Some of those companies are also telling me that the survey survey says that they will, even those without children, are struggling too because there's no differentiation between workplace and home. So helping people be able to create that and have the right mindset for that can be really useful too. You know, some of that well-being plan needs to be flexible. There's no one-size-fits-all. Depending on sector and role, as I've said, the impact and need will be different. Key workers and frontline employees will have had different experiences to those working at home and juggling childcare and to those living alone and to those that are coming back from furlough. We all need to take into account the different perceptions of people. Some people are more adaptable and resilient than others. Some people have had different experiences than others. 
And we need to be able to encourage everyone to be able to talk about it, to share the different perspectives and to have each and every circumstance recognised. And don't forget as well to support the supporters. HR leaders and support workers in your organisation may have had additional pressures because they've been there supporting others or because they've been dealing with all the massive amount of change and feeling like they've been working 24-7 and figuring out what's the latest guidance and what they need to do next. And it's important not to forget that. So ensure that HR and managers also get the training and support that they need so that they can continue to be there for others. It's a bit like that adage of put your own oxygen mask on first. Because if you're not well and your mental well-being is suffering, then you are not in the best place to be able to support everybody else too. You know, overall, companies are working hard, certainly the ones that I'm talking to, are working hard to implement wellbeing plans. But the arrival of COVID-19 meant that people began firefighting and needed to look at different situations and different circumstances. And it's important to be responsive. That Benenden report also said that over a third of respondents would said they would like more employees, employer support. So by revisiting and revising your wellbeing plan, you can make sure that it has the best potential for success and for a return on your investment. So I hope that that's been really helpful for you. You know, as I said, it is about responding and adapting and it's ensuring that there is resilience in your mental wellbeing plan. So survey your employees regularly provide the training and expertise that they need upskill your managers improve the work-life balance for whatever this new normal is going to look like make sure that you are being flexible and support the supporters if you'd like to talk about anything that i've discussed in this episode please do get in touch with me Otherwise, I hope it's helpful for you. As ever, if you'd like to discuss how you can enhance the company wellbeing plan that you have or discuss virtual training options or ensure that your leaders are on board to support the workplace mental wellbeing, then you can message me, emma at emmalankton.com or if you picked this up from any social media platform, just message me through that. Or you can arrange a call by going to my website, emma at emmalankton.com and click the contact button and we can arrange a time to get straight into my diary and fix a call. So then it just leaves me to say, have a really great week. Do make sure you take some time off. Look after yourself. And then I'll see you again in the next episode. Bye for now.